This is going to be like sacrilege to any real musicians. Hear me out, hear me out. Let me play my part. Check two, hey. Like, is that real? Did that happen? Like, the structure of your brain actually changes. And do you still feel that every day? And then it got time for guitars. Eating disorder, like. I didn't want to die. Tendencies. But I didn't want to live. Yeah. Girl. You gotta go in the hospital. You feel powerless to the body has a fear reaction. The opportunity to empower. No one can take away my power. I won't take myself out. Artists that are true like that, those are the ones that tend to like create change. the hour mark All i right. want to make sure we get a chance to talk about music yes you said okay. you were a dj so what first drew you to music oh boy we're gonna change um, gears here people changing gears we're changing, changing gears, gears at 60 miles an hour with our right hand turn changing gears <laughs> um you were a kid i'm guessing at some point i'm sure yeah it was it's been it's been a while you look like uh, you're about 23 what, yeah what 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 do you mean music i think were you a dj first did you pick up a guitar no, you Drums. know, oh, so, okay, no, actually, I do know. So my, my uncle um, was, uh, was, was a wedding DJ, like, back, you know, way back when I was, like, a kid. And my first DJ experience uh, consisted of me, this was way back, this was, like, the 70s, 80, or 80s, I guess, early 80s, uh, being, being a little guy, uh, helping uh, carry uh, record crates. Really? Uh, and yeah, into different, you know, Knights of Columbus halls and different, you know, places where they, you know, have weddings. Um, probably being, I don't know, maybe, I don't know, I was 11, 12 years old, you know, as soon as I was old enough to carry a crate of records, I guess, wrapping cords and doing all, you know, doing all the he stuff. He teach you to do it right. And he, he was the, You can wrap an XLR when you were 11? Actually, yeah. So he taught me the right way. Nice. And of course, I do it my own way now. You can actually, did you know you can actually wrap a, a this is going to be like sacrilege to any real musicians listening out there. You can actually, <laughs> but listen, as a wedding DJ and having to like get the f out as fast you as you didn't I use could, your elbow. I well, I Come I sort on. of can't. But here's the thing. Okay, Here, here's the thing. And okay, I don't actually. So I don't use I don't use my elbow as a pressure point. Like I don't you know because that that's how people do it wrong. Is they grab it between their thumb and their the little fat of their hand there, mm-hmm. and then they use their elbow as as a pressure point, and then they bring it around and sort of like, you know, I, I understand as someone that's worked with cables is that they, they have a natural curve, right? These yes. cables they have a natural it's curve, twist. and you need to respect the natural curve <laughs> of the cable, if you want, <laughs> especially when you're paying fifty bucks for a three foot cable, don't right? Don't unsubscribe, so. <laughs> musicians. <laughs> Please don't. don't unsubscribe. Please don't. Hear me out. Hear me out. So. <laughs> Uh, so what I do is right. So so the twist, the actually the twist comes between my thumb and my first finger, right, right at the right at the. I mean, I've done this thousands of times. Can you do this it fast. Point. I can't. And I can do it fast. So you take it and you 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 kind of you don't really wrap it around your elbow. You kind of whip it around your elbow, and as it's coming back around, you you twist it with your fingers. And then make sure it has a natural curve before you put it in the little cradle between your thumb and the little fat of your hand part. There, there is a system. Maybe I'll make a video and we'll direct people. I don't know. This but, is next level professional. Yeah, stuff. this. Is, <laughs> I'm so, so slow. But anyways, but yeah. So I learned to do it the right. It's like jazz. It's like jazz, Teresa. Right? You learn to do it the right way, and then you, right, you, you improvise. The well, you break the rules, right? You can't. We break just the rules lost Mogami. We told you. Damn it! I'm so sorry. How did okay, we get on wrapping well, cables? My uh, fault. Okay, yeah, okay. Music. Yes, You're yes, at the wedding. What yes. happens? How did the date end? 
Um, <laughs> yes. Well, that's a whole other hour. No. Uh, yeah. So we, yeah. Uh, yeah. Wrapping. So he taught me the right way to do it. But anyways, yeah, just, you know, wrapping up tables, loading up the van. This was when like you couldn't now, like if you're a wedding DJ, like you show up in a little, you know, Toyota Prius and you've got all your stuff with you, right? Like, you know, back then you needed like a van and a half, you know, to carry these speakers and amps and whatever. Like this was, you know, they didn't, they didn't have stuff for DJs. Like not, they didn't start making stuff for DJs until, you know, you know, the early 2000s probably started Seriously? making stuff for DJs, right? So the so art like, form was like 20 years old before it got its own market? Yeah, pretty, pretty much. Just like a missed opportunity. Just like podcasting, really. You know what I mean? It's like they now, you know, they're really, you know, that was the thing when I started, like, they don't make stuff for podcasters. I mean, they do, but most of the stuff that they make for podcasters is like crap, honestly. Like a lot of it is like they'll put together a podcast in a box package. And with the the, the dirty secret is a lot of times it's like the leftover microphones and cables and whatever these oh, manufacturers physical have. Physical stuff. I thought you meant phys- like the how to get through stuff. to Apple and all that. No, no, like the actual physical gear, right? They're yeah, like, here's, here's a mixer and here's a cable and here's a microphone and here's this and that. And there you go, podcast in a box, right? Like, And you got the cheapest version of all those And you got things. the cheapest, crappiest version of all tell me not to mm-hmm. buy what did she want and i was like oh this one has reverb built in she goes no 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 mm-hmm. onboard effects ever yeah yeah you'll get the cheapest one they can come up with use and they love to pack in the outboard. features to make it seem like you're getting more you than think you you're actually... getting more young yeah. musicians you think you're getting more but you're getting features you'll never use because they're the lowest quality that can possibly be manufactured and crammed into that board. And we just lost the podcast in a box sponsor. That was oh, the, we lost the, them the, too. We're, yeah, we were gonna. Yeah, I, I just blew, I blew it from Mogami, and I was thinking maybe we can get the podcast in a box, guys. And yeah, so now that yeah, uh, that I want too. Yamaha. <laughs> there you go. There you yeah, go. Good help solid us out, company. Yamaha. KellyNicoleFoundation.org. Uh, Sponsors yeah. welcome. Or Mackie, I'd love to get Mackie. So that'd I, be cool. So yeah, so they didn't they didn't really make stuff like for DJs. Like a lot of it like was that that's the other thing I loved about podcasting. It's like okay, they don't. It's not you can't just go out and buy. You know, like you have to. I, I'm I'm ever and even now, even still, we talked about my rig and how I'm still like ever sort of like refining it. I'm taking stuff that wasn't designed for podcasting and I'm like, you know, co-opting it and sort of like ado- adapting it and making it work. You know, so the thing that makes it hands free. Like you're, do you use an H6? Um, I am a H4. Tascam guy. Tascam. So yeah, so so there's Zoom and there's Tascam. They're like Coke and Pepsi essentially. Yeah. So does the thing that holds it and makes you have completely hands free? Mm-hmm. Did you rig that together or did they sell that as it is? Um, so Tascam, the, hook us up. So the beautiful yes. <laughs> Tascam, you listen. We're just gonna listen. We mentioned Zoom too, so we're just gonna mention everybody. So in this podcast, there will be money in the bank account of the county. At some point, we'll 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 see what we can do. Um, but yeah, so thing I'm so jealous of. So so aside from uh, you know co-opting stuff from DJ world and like professional musician world and recording world and. Um, and all this. I'm also like stealing technology from like DSLR video shooter camera like world, right? So I've spent hours wandering around uh, national camera, uh, wandering around looking for different you know ways of doing this. So in fact, my my backpack that I use uh, was designed for wildlife photographers, like to be able to has the pockets and it's lightweight oh. and the whole thing, right? So it's like. Um, and then like, uh, the way I carry my, like I use like a, like a camera, like a DSLR camera, like strap strapped up in a certain way to like, you know, make sure I can carry everything and all my around the neck mm -hmm. or like, yeah, like over the shoulder, kind of how I've had it, you know, um, you know, and, uh, yeah, that all my cables are like a certain length and trying to find cables, you know, spending hours on Amazon or eBay looking for cables that are the right length. I really should get a soldering gun at this point and make my own, but dude. (laughs) <laughs> but yeah. yeah, 
but yeah, but figuring out, you know, how to do it so I can walk through a, a crowded function, you know, like a gala or fundraiser, lunch or whatever, without snagging people as I walk by and, yeah. you know, trying to do it in a way where I don't look, you know, like a ghostbuster or like a, you know, one of those people, paranormal investigator people, you know, so trying to look somewhat discreet when I'm at a function, you know, uh, fun, well, you fancy look, fun- function or something. Yeah, you know? for sure. You looked like a Kelly Nicole fan when I first saw you because it was like 95 degrees yes. out and we were both there with black t-shirts Solidarity. On. Yes, we yeah. were in solidarity. It was, it was hot like, that this day. This guy's listened to some meddling in his yeah. lifetime. Oh, yeah. Yeah, it was... Uh, I'm guessing it's been a minute since you heard the album, but I, I hope you liked it. Yeah, no, I did. Yeah, it was It was. Uh, yeah, very, very powerful. You weren't, you weren't lying, so... Yeah. Um, well, again, I mean, very yeah, authentic and raw and real, and those those, those are those are things that that I that I appreciate um, in in all of their forms. You know, like I'm not a metal guy, obviously. I've you know, Tiesto was like you know, <laughs> like I'm I'm all about electronic music, but right. um, but yeah, that's so, blending more and more too because there's a lot of uh, programming in her stuff. Mm-hmm. You know, yeah, and I think a lot of nine inch nails. I think we talked about in our episode too. Like a lot of the the genres are kind of not as much of a thing. It's kind of yeah. going away, and, and people really yeah, for sure. Yeah. And that's why it gets kind of like. Ooh, when you said Warner Brothers is buying SoundCloud, I was like, oh fuck, are they gonna ruin it? And they did, yeah. So no, we just lost Warner Brothers. We Damn just it, lost <laughs> man, we lost Warner Brothers and SoundCloud. <laughs> and SoundCloud in one. Wow. Well, because you hope, because I don't We're getting think more efficient at losing sponsors. It, this is it, good. Yeah, it goes yeah. back to the social thing too and the diversity. I don't think people naturally want to be broken down into five hundred categories. I think we want to connect with each other, mm-hmm. and I think people, psychologists and, and therapists, are telling me. People are lonelier and more disconnected than ever, more isolated than ever. Mm-hmm. And, um, you know, music is how we connect with something higher. Mm-hmm. So I think a lot of us are sick of the genres. Just, is it mm-hmm. good? Is it yeah. good and is the person telling the truth? Yeah. And, and podcasting, if I can, too. So yeah. you said music is how we connect with something greater, right? What's the 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 craziest thing to me um, is that, so you said how people, all these studies or whatever, you know, with all the technology that we have, um, you know, social media, whatever, like people are more isolated and, you know, lonely and, and alone and just sort of like, you know, than, than ever before, like people just feel like that sense of, of isolation and, and loneliness. Um, and what I really love about podcasting is that, um, it, it creates, uh, the ability to, to connect with people on this, like really organic, like really, I mean, really pure organic you know way that that the human beings have been communicating since they've been human beings you know and it's 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 something that just it's it's ironic to me and it just blows me away that we've spent you know since since the internet was invented you know however long ago right like we've spent the last you know several decades now like building this mountain of technology mm-hmm. to get back to this yeah. Teresa to get back to this totally to you know, to just having a conversation between two people, yeah. And to me, that just that just blows my mind. That like like here we are, like we built all this technology just to get back to to, get the, back to the to point where we can down. have sit down and have a conversation. Oh my god, you just blew my mind. Are you a history fan? Do you like bring, history? Bring bring that conversation right into people's ears as though they're there in the room with us. Completely. Yeah. Um, I asked you if you like history because history, it reminds yeah. me of. Uh, oral history mm-hmm. and how that was the way that information you know aside from the few people who could write and the few societies that were literate um that's how information has been spread for thousands and thousands of years right. and i can't remember something if i didn't email it to someone and i can't go into my sent folder <laughs> yeah. and i wonder what parts of our brain we're losing because we're not using and i also think what wow. you just said is really powerful that we've spent you know, all these billions of dollars and all these hundreds of years of of time to get to this point and now what do we want to do with it we want to sit down and connect with someone wow and that's like 
I feel like it comes back to oral tradition and uh, it's a, it's a good, I'm going to see if I can build this thought. It's swirling around in my head. Um, It's a good analogy for trauma survivors, in my opinion, because there's been so many, like at the end of the last ice age, since we're on the subject, uh, like 11, 12,000 years ago, I think, um, I guess they're saying that there was a huge cataclysm. There's some debate in the archaeological community, just lost the archaeologist too. Um, but wow. it could have been a huge comet and that there's a few people that survived and that passed on this technology that was wiped out. And that's why you suddenly have fully formed societies with these crazy math and astronomical skills and nothing leading up to it. The idea is that these technologies and, and uh, this knowledge was passed on orally. Um, and I feel like a cataclysm with nothing to your name but a story to tell is a good metaphor for trauma survivors. Mm-hmm. You know, it's post-apocalyptic. You feel like you've been wiped out. You feel like you have nothing left. You have no, no feet to stand on but you have a story to tell and that story is powerful and that story is meaningful and, and it fucking matters. And that's why this podcast exists. So yeah. sorry, I went off on a complete yeah. tangent, but you just blew my mind when you said we come right back to telling a story. It really, yeah, it really blows my mind too, what you said too. I didn't, I, I never thought of that. I never considered that. Maybe that's why people are so drawn to podcasting yeah. now, all of a sudden, now that the, the technology is accessible to everybody that evolutionarily, like, like we're losing the ability to remember yeah. And and tell like these stories because like we you know our benevolent, you know, overlords, you know, have been <laughs> the digital overlords have been handling all that for us now for yeah. the last few decades, right? Google if you know Google knows more about us than you know yeah. than we do. You go to a gas station or you go to whatever kind of store, it's like you visited this five years ago. It's like, Oh wait, I was yeah. here when my wife was alive. And then I stop and I pause and look at the place, but I didn't remember, but Google remembered. Yeah, exactly. Like Google knows my family better than I do. How mm-hmm. fucked up is yeah. that? Weird. You talked about the ability um, to remember these stories. That goes back a lot further than technology. Mm-hmm. If I'm not boring you, no, this is I have no. another history story. Yeah, yeah, go for it. Socrates and Plato. Mm-hmm. So the alphabet, the Greek alphabet, comes along when both of them are alive. Okay. They're hanging out together. Socrates yeah. came first. He's the older, mm-hmm. elder statesman, and he didn't write. Okay. I wondered as a kid why all of Socrates is what I would think of as writings, mm-hmm. were written by Plato. Like, why do I have to go to Plato to read Socrates? Mm-hmm. It's because Socrates didn't... Because he didn't have didn't... podcasting. Ah, there you go. <laughs> and because Socrates didn't believe in the alphabet. He didn't like it. He said, if we write everything down, we'll lose our ability to remember. And Plato was the young, hip kid. He was you. Wow. And saying, this is the hot new thing. Just think. You could write this down. Just imagine where <laughs> no this way. can take us. And Socrates yeah, right. was like, we remember things because they're meaningful to us. Wow. And if we lose the ability to remember, we'll lose the meaning. And that just is like, yeah. Wow. <laughs> it's blowing me away right now. Yeah. All right, cool, cool. Okay. Yeah. Since we're on the subject of the Ice Age, let's get back to music. <laughs> yes. <laughs> just went we'll around the around. world and back again. Yeah. Cool. So when did you start to feel like you could express yourself as a DJ and how did that feel? Um, yeah, you know, so I, I started, you know, once I started helping out, you know, my uncle for a little while, then I started getting, you know, starting to want to do it myself and then, you know, got, you know, whatever gear I had around and borrowed from whatever, you know, people and started doing little one-offs here and there. Um, and I was like, Hey, this is kind of fun. And then I think as soon as I was, you know, old enough, then I started, uh, jumped in the wedding DJ circuit, uh, started doing that. I, you know, I plunk around in the, on the, on the piano and on the guitar and whatever. I, I never, you know, got very good at any of those things, but I've always been, you know, uh, drawn to music always been you know it's always been a part of my life in some way um but really djing uh and 
producing whatever has always kind of been what I've been drawn to the most. And, uh, yeah, so I started doing, you know, the wedding thing that paid the bills for a while. That was like my full-time thing for a while. Ended up working for the company like during the week, doing all the sales and like meeting with brides and showing the video and <laughs> just oh, getting really? to sign the contract, doing all that stuff and all the little wedding fairs that you got to do, you know, on the weekends come set up your step and repeat and your banner and hand up brochures and whatever. So that was like my full-time thing for like a long time. Um, and sort of on the side, uh, when I wasn't like during you know, wedding season when I wasn't doing, you know, weddings, I started getting into electronic music. I've always loved electronic music, but started like buying my own gear and, you know, like, you know, specialized, you know, gear for, for doing that kind of thing and turntables and started buying a lot more vinyl and whatever. Uh, and, uh, that kind of, uh, became, uh, sort of like my main hobby. So like DJing was like my, my, uh, my day job and my nighttime hobby kind of, you know, one of those people. So, um, and then, yeah, so I started DJing electronic music, you know, for a long time. Um, you mentioned, sir, I mentioned, we mentioned that, you know, I'm, <laughs> I'm, I'm a little older. I'm not, you know, uh, a spring chicken anymore. And so sort of what happened uh, is uh, I think sort of the, the, the style of music that I was into kind of faded in, in popularity um, over, over the years and kind of, I, I call it like the summer of 69 story. So, you know, Jimmy quit, Jody got married, that, that <laughs> whole kind of thing. So like the guys I used to do it with, right. The guys that I used to like little DJ crew or whatever, like they all kind of like grew up and went out with their lives, got real jobs and married and mortgages and the whole thing. And so I was like, nah, it's like, you know, I think a lot of musicians, uh, or performers or whatever it is that you do, like, like you're driven, uh, by, you know, the, the, the fact that you get to hang out with your friends and people that are passionate about the same thing and that, you know, people started moving and, oh, the baby and we can't and whatever. I'm like, nah, okay. It just wasn't as fun anymore, I guess. Yeah. Without um, the fellowship, right? Yeah. Yeah, exactly. You know, so, but I moved on to other things and it was around that time, you know, maybe, maybe 10 years ago that I kind of like, you know, I still did some shows here and there and did some stuff here and there, but I was kind of getting to the point where I was like, you know, I'll always love electronic music. Um, and I've been kind of feeling, feeling the, the itch a little lately. So I don't know, yeah. I don't know stay, stay tuned. I might, you know, start, oh. start DJing a little bit more at all some right, point, but, right. um, put something on ruined SoundCloud. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> uh, or Spotify, right? There we go. There you go. Yeah, exactly. Um, but, uh, so they, um, yeah. So, so it was around that time around 10 years ago, I was like, well, oh, this is fun. And I started taking guitar lessons. I'm like, nah, I don't know. just, a, you know, mess around with that a little bit. And then uh, really kind of started exploring podcasting a lot more. And I was like, you know, this is going to be my new thing. Like I already have uh, – it, it'll be – you know, it won't be super hard to, you know, sort of adapt a lot of what I know from from DJing and recording and, you know, uh, you know, audio and technology and whatever and like take all of those skills and sort of like – you know, hopefully they'll, they'll translate into this. And so I kind of had a head start, um, ahead of a lot of people who, who get into to podcasting just from scratch who are like working in an office or like, totally. you know, or just have, you know, they've never like dipped their toe or, or tip their dough in the water <laughs> at all. Um, did you and, have a good ear right away or was that something that developed over time? Uh, I mean, I'm, I'm still, I mean, it's one of those things I think you're kind of always developing, uh, your ear, but yeah, I mean, which is another reason I think that it kind of why I spent so long in R and D was because like, I knew what good audio was supposed to sound like. And I knew, you know, like what, you know, I wasn't buying, you know, crappy gear with like, you know, 150 effects built in and, you know, uh, you know, a, a low, 
a little frequency buzz, you know, <laughs> no, uh, I've whatever, had some you know, suspect interviews. I've had some interviews with lapel mics that are super sensitive omnis in like, uh-huh. like college dorm common mm-hmm. rooms and people are just in and out slamming doors and like, oh, yeah. oh God, what was I thinking? Yeah, exactly. Which is why it's like, okay, like <laughs> I, okay, I, I, I've done what I've done, you know, on, on the DJ, you know, on that sort of like musician, whatever, like performance, uh, with that, um, art form at, at a certain level, right. Uh, at a certain level of professionalism. Um, and whatever I eventually do in podcasting, like the content that I, that I create and eventually release and put my name on, like I want it to be, uh, at a certain level of quality too. Mm-hmm. Um, and there are sort of two schools of thought with, with podcasting. One of them is like, Oh, just, just do it. Just even if it sounds crappy, just get it out there and just start doing it. Which you know, there's something to be said for that. I mean, that's that's you know, a lot of for times the you indie only, cred. Sure, you know the, <laughs> the, the yeah the the only way that you'll learn and whatever you know. And it's like, and I certainly had had a curve too, a learning curve too. Um, but for me, I wasn't really in a hurry. Uh, like I had a day job, you know, like I, I did construction for a long time, uh, which is kind of what paid the bills after like the, my wedding DJ, uh, thing was kind of like, you know, I was, I was done with that. Um, and so I decided I would just take my time and, and do it right. And, you know, wanted to make sure I had good microphones and I had good gear and I had, you know, learned how to use, you know, editing software and, um, and that once I finally started putting out content, you know, the, and actually it's funny you mentioned like, oh, well, you're so natural in this interview, uh, you know, <laughs> um, situation that actually took the longest for me, believe really? it or not. Yeah. To, to get, to, to feel like I was, uh, like at least a somewhat competent like presenter or like interviewer. Mm-hmm. Um, and really that, that kind of came out of, uh, out of me not being able to afford to hire someone else to do it for me and having to do it myself because I'm like, okay, well, I know I like the technology and the producing and the editing and all this sort of geeky sort of behind the scenes stuff. Um, but the actual presenting interviewing part of it, like I'm just, I'm not yeah. good at that. And just like anybody, I mean, um, musicians, whatever, still, I mean, they'll, they'll tell you, right? Like they still get the butterflies. I mean, they've been doing it for whatever, 20, 30 years and they, mm-hmm. they still get the butterflies. They still get nervous before they go on stage. Right. Yeah. It's like, and it's, it's the same thing for me. Like I'm never going to be completely over that. Um, but you know, that, that was the biggest, I mean, the rest of it, you know, whatever, like Google is your friend and you can, you know, we got Google back. Google, Google is your friend and you can, uh, you can learn anything. Right. But as far as like, uh, you know, presenting and interviewing and all that, like that's, that, soft that, skills aren't, yeah. aren't as easy to, to look up. That is a skill that takes a long time to learn and a lot of practice and, and, uh, and, and pro tip. Mm-hmm. What I also realized is that the way to get better at presenting uh, and interviewing is to do your own effing editing. Oh my God. Because <laughs> you'll probably be able to hear the spot where, because I did five or six or maybe more, maybe 10 interviews before I started editing. And I think you'll be able to hear, oh, this is the point where she heard the nonsense she was saying <laughs> and then learned how to just ask a question and find the end of the sentence. People, people, and I'm trying to fix it with the edit, pe- but it's not always possible. <laughs> people hate editing. Uh, that, that that's the other thing editing too. Editing your own voice. People, well, yeah, your own voice, yeah, everything. That took forever. I mean, just to, now I'm I'm a lot more. I let a lot more ums and ahs and whatever go now. But at first, I was in there like a freaking surgeon trying I didn't to get rid of those because to me that's like, like yeah. Picture your best friend. Mm-hmm. Don't you know all their little sounds? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Like I want that intimacy. What I get rid of is. Uh, like half the stories I've told you in the last hour. <laughs> yeah, no, I hear it. 
<laughs> it's just like, oh my God, get to the point. Yeah, exactly. T- listening to myself. But yeah, so it, it took, you know, it took a long time for me to get to the point where I was comfortable sitting, you know, across from someone asking them, you know, but now I'm to the point, you know, thank I think the, the reason that I've kind of like gotten uh, so good at, at what I do is because so often, um, so quick little side, side note about how I do what I do. Um, so when I approach a new client, whether it's a business or a nonprofit and you say, you know, I want to produce a podcast for your business or your organization. I think the first thought going through people's head a lot of times is, oh, that sounds like a lot of work. Like we have to like put together, we have to write a, you know, people don't like writing either. Like, you know, um, and so the way I do it is, okay, you don't have to worry about any of that. Yes. I know that that's normally the case when you're going to do a podcast. It's like putting together. No one likes putting together PowerPoint presentations. Like there are some geeky people that love it, but like don't, nobody likes doing that. And that's the first thing through someone's head is like, oh man, we're going to have to put together a PowerPoint presentation and I've got to practice and I've got to whatever. And I take that entirely out of the equation. I'm like, okay, just if you're a business, if you're an organization um, and you're at the point where you're even thinking about doing a podcast, the reason that you're here is because you have some kind of content already mm. in whatever form it's in. Just like I said earlier, um, every business, every nonprofit is, is its own unique little snowflake, right? And they're going to have their own way that they've been communicating with whatever it is, their their community, their clients, their um, whoever it is that they're talking to. It's going to be different. Like, do you have a blog? Do you have a website that you, do you, you know, uh, is it mainly, are you mainly social, uh, you know, social focused? Are you, do you have a lot of events? Like, do you have a lot of like ways engaging people in person? Right. Like, uh, do you have PowerPoint presentations, <laughs> you know, like something that you've already invested the time and energy in putting together. That's like sitting on a hard drive somewhere like this content that you've already invested this time and energy, whether it was paying someone to do it or whether it was like working late at night while your friends were out drinking. So you could put together, like you've already have this content laying around And my job is to take it, look at it and a glance, scan it. And I'm like, okay, we're going to talk about this, 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 and this, and then hitting record and saying, okay, so, and I don't have to know anything about <laughs> what so I'm talking they, about, which the, is really great. The corporate crowd likes things a little bit more planned and buttoned up. Mm-hmm. Interesting. Yeah, yeah. I guess and that makes sense. Right. They're not going to do a lot of impromptu. I mean, you saw what prep I do. It's like five bullet points and will you be on the show? Yeah. Because I want to do the exploration here. I don't want to do it over email. And and I think, I think <laughs> a lot of times where that uh, sort of hesitation comes from, uh, where that caution comes from, is they want to make sure, uh, just like they, they spend time and money and energy and resources developing this content in whatever form it's in. Uh, They also spend time and money and energy and resources developing an image and developing a brand and developing values. Um, These days it can go up in flames in a split second. Yeah, yeah, exactly, right? And so like it's a matter of building trust with people and them knowing that they can trust me and them knowing that uh, I think the way I do podcasting is a little different too because like if it was the Ryan Garza podcast, right? Um, you know, I'm there to keep people interested in me, right? And so I might ask those gotcha questions and I might try to get those sound bites that I can share out and say, you know what I mean? But the way I do it, it's like, it's, it's your podcast. Like, it's not my podcast. Like, you're not on my podcast. Like, it's your podcast. And I'm like here, you know, to make you look good and to make you shine and to make you, you know, sparkle, you know, even if you've never been on a podcast before, like I just ask the right questions and get you to open up and and do what you do every day anyway. And 99% of the time, like we're in someone's, you know, office or 
wherever they, you know, or a coffee shop that they go to all the time, they're in their natural environment. You know, I like capturing people in the wild, I say, right? Yeah, you're um, good at field interviews. You use that mic where you're like, the louder, the better. Yeah, yeah. I haven't been using a shotgun mic for field interviews because the subject matter of our podcast is so difficult for people that mm-hmm. if I felt like Bob Costas like running a mic back yeah. and forth, I'd be like, ooh, that might be kind of creepy. There's tricks to that too, actually. We'll, we'll talk about that yeah, later. Yeah, <laughs> well, walk me through it because I would get a lot better audio if I didn't yeah. use lapel mics in the field. Yeah. As you can imagine, it's been really oh, God. tough mixing. Well, and that's, and that's the thing. Like, I go into these environments where, like, I never know. Like, uh, <laughs> sometimes I do, but, like, a lot of times I, I don't know, like, the environment I'm going to go into. It's a matter of, like, and I, I've this is just from listening. So I tell people I don't listen to podcasts. Ironically, I don't listen to podcasts. And when I do, I listen to podcasts about podcasting, Oh, really? <laughs> which is how, you know, you're like totally geeked out. Do about you listen this. to the audacity to podcast? Yeah. I've listened. Yeah. I've listened to, uh, Daniel J. Lewis. Shout out Daniel J. Lewis. He's but, cool. Yeah. And there's, there's other, there's other ones that have been around for a long time. There's some industry podcasts that, that I listen to. Um, but yeah, one of the things I can't remember from, from who, uh, you know, that I learned, um, you know, was, you know, about, you know, being, being prepared, you know, and like, you know, always, um, working with what you have, which is another thing, you know, shout to the indie crowd, like, you know, just because you don't have access to this, that, or the other thing, it's like, Hey, you're going to work with what you have and you're going to like squeeze the best punk rock cheap is what we call it. You know, like you're going to squeeze the very best situation out of whatever situation that, that you're in. Right. And, uh, other people who are, you know, accustomed to working with big budgets and top of the line, everything you're going to throw them in that situation and they're going to, they're going to sink, right. They're not going to panic and sink. Right. Um, which is another thing I love about doing what I do. It's like, I feel like you can throw me into any environment. And even if it's a matter of like walking around, if it's a small room, if it's walking around the room and Hey, this is not a good room. And listening, yeah. but you know what I mean? And listening, <laughs> trying to find if it's a corner, if there's some furniture, if there's maybe another office that isn't like occupied currently, or can, is there a spot we can sit outside behind the building if it's not winter in Minnesota, which it always is, you know, always. it's, it's a matter of like trying to work with what you have and trying to find, you know, the best way to, you know, to make what you have, uh, sound good. Yeah. All right. Well, you, you, you just said a second ago that you're going to teach me how to get better audio, by doing an extremely intimate interview with a shotgun mic. Oh yeah, well, and that that that's the other thing too. I mean, it, it kind of depends on the kind of mic you're using, and you know, kind of like it, it it takes it takes practice. There there are some techniques, but yeah, I can definitely. Well, work, I'm not worried about aiming it right. I'm worried about the kind of things we talk about on the mm-hmm. show. It's it, that it would feel really weird and formal to have a mic flicking back and forth. I could get another one. Yeah, yeah. That's probably just the best answer is to just get another Mickey Six. Yeah, and sometimes... It's a nice mic. Sometimes I'll do that. Um, sometimes I'll have multiple microphones. Uh, sometimes I'll just have the one microphone. It kind of depends on how mobile I want to be, too. Um, a lot of times at these functions and events, you know what I mean? I'm, I'm literally mobile and moving around. So it's, I've only got the one mic and Bob Costa style. Mm-hmm. Um, but other times I've used like multiple, if, if I know we're going to be in an office and we're going to be recording for an hour and people are going to come in, we're going to sit around a table, then I'll set up, you know, um, you know, multiple microphones and, and whatnot. So, um, but yeah, they're, they're definitely, it's, it's, there's a lot of that kind of, you know, idea of just kind of being prepared, you know, without carrying around, without getting back to a van like they had in the eight, without having to yeah. drive a van packed, you know, yeah. scrape that the bumper scraping on the ground full of stuff. You know what I mean? Do you mix so. on the fly or do you get all the tracks? Like I would never mix on the fly. I, I'll figure this yeah, out you know, later. no, I, yeah, I never mix on the fly. I get, I get all the tracks, um, you know, as, as cleanly as I can, um, in the field with my little, you know, digital recorder, mm-hmm. you know, 
Um, and then I take everything back to the lab and do, and that, that actually took a long time too, actually trying to figure out, okay, like what do we do in the field? Like what do we try to do in the field with the gear that we're able to carry with us without, you know, showing up like a paranormal investigator? Um, and then what can we do after the fact? There are certain things that you can't do like after the fact, right? Like you have to get a clean, you have to get a clean signal. Like you have to have the person a certain distance away from the microphone. Like you have to do this, you have to do that. Right. Um, there are certain things you can clean up in post. Uh, there are certain things you can't. Like, for example, like if you record your tracks raw, like you can adjust, you know, volumes, whatever, later and mix it all, you know, together later. Um, but, uh, you know, you could, I mean, you could you could carry a big booth around you and plunk a booth down everywhere you go and people sit in the booth and, you know what I mean? And I'm sure there's people who do that, you know That's what I mean? Insane. But it's like, but yeah, but um, to me, like even even that would lose you know, some of the, some of the energy and some of the, you know, that, that I kind of, so it's a matter of just, it's a lot of, it is a lot of, of trial and error. I can't tell you how many thousands of dollars I've spent on gear that I'll never use. And that Are you serious? Thousands, thousands What was the of biggest waste? The um, let's see. I bought, and, and a lot of times, um, I mean, different, different recorders, uh, different microphones. It took me a long time where I bought mul- multiple microphones trying to set up, you know, my, my studio, my, uh, which I like never use anymore other than for like editing. And I do some episodes occasionally, but, um, uh, yeah, micro cause microphones, I'm sure, you know, can get real expensive and yeah. in, in a hurry. Um, so, and I mean, just cables that were too short or too long and <laughs> you know what I mean? It's just, uh, you know, gear, which, you know, I'm not out, you know, buying, you know, the, the super bargain basement brand stuff. Um, but I'm not, you know, buying the, uh, you know, especially back then I wasn't buying the pioneer and Yamaha and all the whatever. You, you don't know. have a separate closet just for your Neumanns? N- yeah, no, that's, yeah, they, they would. <laughs> yeah. Small closet. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah. Cause there's nothing in it. Yeah. Cause I, there's no, no, I use, I use, oh, uh, yeah, but I, wouldn't um, take I, I, I use, I use good gear now, but I, uh, but yeah, there was a time when, especially when you're experimenting and like, you don't know like if it's going to work or not, like you don't want to drop a few grand on a mixer or something like that, no, you kidding. know? Yeah. Um, so yeah, I mean some, some of my mixers, uh, that I experimented with back then, I mean, just, I mean, even just like getting the right size and knowing how many inputs and outputs you're going to need and all that, um, uh, even, you know, like a couple of my, I had a couple of like smaller Yamaha mixers to begin with. Um, and Yamaha is great because they, here we go. Now we're getting some Yamaha money. So go. they're, so they're, they're great because they have that sort of like entry level stuff that, uh, a lot of the circuitry and whatever is based on their more expensive stuff. So it's, it's good quality stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, not a lot of bells and whistles or whatever, or sometimes more bells and whistles than some of the bigger stuff because they don't expect you to have, you know, off board gear and whatever. Mm. Um, but yeah, but, uh, I eventually moved up to Mackie. I use Mackie, uh, mixers now, like, cause they're a little bit more like robust and they had a little more of the features, um, I need, but, uh, but yeah, none of it is like, I mean, none of it was designed for deep was, well, I think I've got, actually, I, I am using one sound card right now that I used to use as, as a DJ. Um, but, uh, yeah, <laughs> the, sound cards. the hammer falls in the back of the tower. So, so back around the time that I kind of hung up DJing, uh, you know, with any sort of regularity, uh, was kind of like the scratch. Uh, what do they call it? Like the Scratch Pro. Uh, so all the software was coming out where you're able to um, to basically use vinyl records to send a signal to a sound card uh, that you're able to like play digital files 
with like vinyl records on a turntable. It was like really cool. So like, um, I bought one of these kits and so I still have like the actual records and whatever, all the pieces somewhere else. But the sound card essentially was just so you could, um, take in multiple signals into the sound card and then like that would go into your laptop and then you could like feed multiple signals and mix them together and then send them back out and whatever, you know? So I'm actually still using that one sometimes to some capacity, but, uh, but yeah, most of, most of what I have, I mean, it's, you know, it's, it's professional, like audio, like gear, you know, and over the last, yeah, probably 10 years or so, like some of that stuff has kind of become a little bit more affordable before I think we started recording, I was talking about, uh, lighting now. So like that, yeah, that's interesting. That, that's a whole nother world now. How do you want your because... suit? Well, if you don't do a ton of interviews there, you're there mm-hmm. to get the vibe right for yourself, for your own creative space. Um, well, actually, I want to start doing more, more? Uh, interviews in the studio. And I think just like... just is like it too dark in here now? Just like presenting. No, this is nice. This is actually nice. Are I we... never have this open because I'm on the ground floor of this apartment. And I don't yeah. need anyone seeing what's in here. Exactly. No, when I, was, I walked in here this afternoon. It was like, Ryan's on the way over. This looks like a fucking dungeon. No, this is nice. It's a nice, nice little casual little vibe here. I'm, I'm digging it. So... Um, recording on, on YouTube might be kind of tricky, you know what I mean? Because of the, the lighting situation. So like, well, it's just it's, a picture of our logo. I don't oh, film any right, of these. Right, right. Yeah, yeah. So, so that's it's always just going to be imagery. And that's, so that's what I do. I don't know if you've seen the video that I, yeah. right. So it's like yeah, a looping sorry. sort of animated kind of thing that I do behind yeah. all my stuff. Um, but I want to start getting some actual, you know, some, oh, some more video. Are you going to film your interviews? Film, film like my videos sort of like in studio style. So it's a matter of getting lights. And so, People, it's funny because over the last how many years that I've been doing podcasting, like for the longest time, people are like, oh, do you do video too? Like it's the same. So tough. You know. I just don't want to be on thing. camera. You know, it's like you telling t- telling someone you speak Italian and they're like, oh, do you speak French too? You know, and it's like, <laughs> I'm like, well, <laughs> I guess they're kind of related, but yeah. Or randomly and, bringing up the Ice Age in the middle of this conversation. Sure, you know, or yeah, or going off. On a li- yeah, so it's, <laughs> um, which I, I can understand how someone not. Um, you know, someone not versed in, in either necessarily, you know, would, would relate the two. And so I'm not, you know, um, you know, trying to, you know, say that they're wrong or anything, you know, but, but for me, like, because I take the audio part of it so seriously, like it's, it's, it's all of my time and energy and, you know, passion to like focus on doing just this part of it. Right. And it has yep. been for a long time. Um, but as part of my, uh, personal branding, you know, exercise and like having, you know, reaching people where they're, where they're at. I've been working, uh, I've been doing more video, um, and like doing little segments and I want to start recording, you know, parts. So, um, that's like a whole nother world. I mean, you know, when you start dealing with cameras and lenses and apertures and exposures and you know, mm-hmm. what kinds of lights and LEDs or soft boxes or whatever you're going to do. And like, how big is your space and how much do you want to spend? Because those are really expensive too, because multi-camera who's going to edit multi- all that. Yeah, exactly. How to, how to, yeah, how to, the biggest thing is you can't splice as well as you could with audio because mm-hmm. people shift in their chairs, right? Yeah. So what if like someone, what if someone says something really stupid? You can't save them. Mm-hmm. It's like they shifted. You can't make that look. Yeah. I don't yeah. know. You're gonna have to have some there kind are, of a cutaway there shot. Tricks, <laughs> there are tricks to that too. So. Ooh, you have to <laughs> but, show me. That yeah. would be tough because I w- I would feel if I went to video I would feel like I would l- was losing a huge amount of control over the mm-hmm. edit. Yeah. The other you thing know? too is that I've always felt like for the longest time like. Uh, um, like for the first, you know, for the first few years, you know, doing this, um, uh, like, I don't know. And, and I still feel this way is that when there's no camera, I just feel like the content is just so much better. I mean, totally for, for me anyway, you know, like I'm, I'm comfortable now, like, you know, behind a microphone, like just talking to someone, right. Like, 
Um, but you put a camera in my face, like I still, I, you know, I still start sweating. It's just like, you put, you know, I'm, I'm more comfortable on camera now. Um, but I think a lot of people are that way. Like they get that deer in the headlights kind of thing, you know? And like, uh, the way, the way I do my, my interviews, like you were talking about how to make people feel more comfortable when they're talking about sort of sensitive issues, right? Like, um, I mean, it's, it's, it's a lot of little things that create that environment where people feel more comfortable talking, um, about sort of sensitive issues. But like, I feel like one of those things that really helps is not having a camera in their face, you know? Um, but I think here we are 2019, I think people are just getting a lot more kind of comfortable and sort of used to there being cameras around all the time. And, um, you know, so I've been trying to like, uh, implement a lot more of it into sort of like my overall sort of body of content. Yeah. And it opens um, up YouTube for you a little bit better and too. And because I'm out and about usually when I'm doing these interviews, um, usually they're like environments that are like intentionally well lit. You know, they're like, you know, offices or like environments like, you know, functions or banquets, benefits, yeah. or whatever, or outside or whatever it is. They're intentionally sort of like well lit. Right. And so it's not a big deal. But like when I'm in my studio, which I can't haul around with me everywhere, um, you know, I live in an apartment just like you <laughs> and it's, uh, you know, it's, it, they're, they're not designed necessarily to be especially well lit. They're like, okay, you yeah. get your lamp from your target and plop it in of, there and you get whatever light you get, you know? Yeah, so, for sure. Yeah. And a lot of stuff that looks good to the human eye is not going to look good exactly, on camera. I've learned the learning. hard way <laughs> that like, even with a halfway decent camcorder with mm-hmm. a one inch sensor and 4k and blah, blah, blah. I'm like, mm-hmm. why does this footage look like garbage? Because mm-hmm. it was lit for, um, you know, lectures. It was at a college or something. It was at the U and it was lit for lectures. Yes, they can see the professor, but then on YouTube, it just looks like cat puke. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Just noise and artifacts everywhere. Yeah. It's like, oh man, the amount of lights it takes to make someone look human yeah. <laughs> on and, camera is insane. And, and I could it, never bring them. Yeah. And that, and that is a whole nother set of skills. That is a whole nother discipline. It's a whole nother language, yeah. you know, that it was just, you know, um, and so it's, it's been, it's been slow, but I've been, you know, learning the language and, you know, learning the skills and sort of embracing the discipline a little bit. So, um, the other thing, you know, too, is like, I, you always kind of like, it's always kind of hard to decide who you're making your content for. Right. And as, as, as a DJ, like, I always feel like, um, like, who are you really trying to impress? Like, who are you really creating, you know, like, because most most people, um, I think, well, another one of these like podcasting podcasts, right? Like they talked about, um, how, how like most people like don't, you asked me about my ear, right? And like how your ear and whatever, Mm -hmm. right? Like most people don't have an ear, you know, quote unquote, they just know if something sounds like bad or if it sounds good. And they say like, when you're first starting out, like a kind of a pro tip was to, uh, to ask someone, you know, your mom or like your friend or your brother, sister, whatever, someone that knows nothing about audio that, you know, knows absolutely nothing about it and play, play it for them and just ask them like, does it sound good or does it sound bad or does it sound weird or does it, you know what I mean? Because they're not going to have the language, um, you know, to, to, you know, explain what it is, but they'll be like, oh yeah, sounds good. Or like, you know, because you'll listen to that same piece of audio and be like, oh, this frequency here and this roll yeah. off there and this like whatever, this needs to, where it's a little too complete. Yeah, yeah, exactly. There's some reverb, whatever. But they're just going to be like, oh yeah, sounds good or sounds bad, right? Mm-hmm. Um, and a, a lot of like, I think feeling comfortable with putting your work out into the world um, starts there. Like who, like, who is it for? Like, are you there? Are you trying to impress other like professional audio engineers? 
because you're not gonna impress professional audio engineers like right me now. neither, right? That I'm do using, this like, like you yeah. said you have a mastering process. So I'm like I use one plugin. Yeah, I use the Waves plugin mm-hmm. and just keep it between like negative twenty three and negative ten. There you go. And I haven't done. I've done one car test, and I was like, all right, I think that doesn't sound like I have to totally crank it to mm-hmm. hear it. Yeah, um, I have I have a I have a special sauce. I have a mix of uh, you know tools that that I use, but it's like. Um, the, the other thing is like when, like when you're producing a song, right. When you're producing like music, um, every, you know, every piece of music is going to be engineered and like crafted and, you know, lovingly, whatever mixed and mastered in a certain way. Like when you're banging out podcast content, like you don't have the luxury to sit there, you know, for a week and like tweak this and that it's like, so it's a matter of like finding something that's going to sound consistent and professional and like, yeah, not every episode they release ends up sounding exactly the way I like it, but it's a matter of like you know, letting, you know, letting go and moving on, you know, to the next one. Mm-hmm. Um, and so it's, uh, which, which is another reason, uh, that I haven't really spent a whole lot of time doing promotion because like at that point I can either, you know, I, I can either like spend a lot of time promo- promoting the content that I just created, or I can go about getting new content created, you know? Yeah. It's, yeah. it's tough to Especially if you're a mission-driven organization, it's tough to take, like you were talking about when you first sat down, you don't want to take your eye off the mission for a second mm-hmm. once something is really tied to your heart Yeah. and go out and, and think, oh, I should read a bunch of blogs about how to increase my Instagram following, mm-hmm. you know, yeah. because you want to spend all the time creating the content. But then if I look back on this two years from now and there's not even a hundred people listening, then I'm going to have to stop, buckle down, learn some promotion, hire someone, you know, get yeah. whatever your friend with her personal perfect branding or whatever mm-hmm. and um try to explain the kelly nicole foundation good luck with that yeah if, <laughs> this is a hard organization to explain to people so as 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 you do um as as you do sort of develop more of a budget for for the mission like and for the org like what like so given your skill set and like what you do and what you want to focus on like what what would be sort of your first kind of like hire like your position that you would be like Grant to bring Ryan. on to be like I would, I okay. mean, that's the capitalist in me, right? Yeah, there you go. I would find someone to find me more money. Yeah. You know, I would try to turn, I mean, we don't have much. Uh, I would try to turn $3,000 into $10,000. Mm-hmm. And there's tons of, I mean, Minneapolis itself is uh, just, I mean, you know it better than I do, flourishing with nonprofits, with the arts, and mm-hmm. we're an arts-based nonprofit. We are the Silicon Valley of nonprofits. Of nonprofits, that's, that's, of medicine, yeah. of yeah. the arts, and this is combining health, public health, Mm-hmm. with the arts and nonprofit. So I feel like someone out there is going to click one day and be like, oh, wait, this is different. And yeah. when I when I take the time to find that person and say, hey, we've got three grand in the bank. Can you make it 10? Mm-hmm. Or can you find someone who, if I add, you know, 15 grand of my own money, um, can you make it 100? So I can give, you know, a serious check to yeah. an organization in harmony with our mission and or make sure that this podcast gets out there and that some survivor doesn't pull the trigger tonight. Mm-hmm. Some veteran doesn't pull the trigger tonight, you mm-hmm. know? And the tough yeah. thing with us is when you're fighting for mental health, how do you value, how do you evaluate, right? Mm-hmm. How do you dollarize one human's life turning around? I got a tip for you. What's that? This also comes from the good folks at DAP. So, um, and from Anazaros, right? So, uh, I think it was the very first episode. I think I talked about this earlier. So, um, she talked about when I, when I got to that part about like, how do you feel about this personally? Why do you do this work? She talked about how, like, I see like the family, like if we, if we look at, you know, the family as a unit, right. 
and we work on fixing the family and healing the family unit, right? That that will, um, and if we can fix the world like one family unit at a time, like that'll radiate like out into the community, yeah. um, and it'll affect things. It'll it'll ripple, you know, outward if we can focus on um, on making whole healthy families. <clears throat> and uh, another thing that they talk about at DAP a lot too is that they, they talk specifically about domestic violence, domestic abuse, and how it's they talk about it as a public health issue. Completely. Um, they, they talk about it how, you know, a lot of times people are like, well, that's something that, you know, that those people deal with, uh, that particular race or background or ex socioeconomic, whatever class of people deal with. And like, that doesn't happen in my house. It's it, in my community. It's not my problem. Right. <laughs> but, they don't yeah. have a clue. They don't exactly. And so, and what, what they do, a lot of their messaging folks around, like it affects everyone, like whether it's actually happening in, in your house, whether there's screaming matches and abuse happening in your home, um, every night or not, um, it, it affects everyone. Um, and a lot of times, uh, we always talk about how like, you know, domestic, um, abuse, domestic violence, like thrives in the shadows and thrives in isolation and people don't, you know, talk about it, which is why like it, it continues to, uh, to happen. Um, and so a lot of times these people, like it may very well be happening in their community and their family, and they just don't know because it's not talked about. Um, but a lot of the, the funding that they get and a lot of the support that they get from, from folks, from individuals, from organizations, um, is around that component of it being a, a public health issue. It's, it's, it affects everyone just like, just like creating a whole healthy healed families or, you know, radiates and ripples out into the community. Mm-hmm. Uh, the reverse is also true, right? So if you have these, um, these families with, um, these issues, right. Uh, the effects of that ripple and radiate out into the community. So like these children uh, in these households, like they go to your kid's school, like they, um, you know, they end up needing uh, services, you know, health services that uh, we're all, you know, paying for, that we're all um, contributing, you know, to the source where all of these, yeah. you know, services uh, are paid for. So like whether it's affecting you directly or not, like it, it affects us. And it's uh, to get back to what you were saying, I mean, when you're talking about, um, you know, keeping people individuals, right? Cause we're, I was, they focus more on like groups, you know, yeah. groups and families, right? Family units. I think a lot of the work that you're doing, um, is maybe like focusing on, on individuals too, and sort of the different struggles that they deal with and sort of how that affects, um, you know, families and how communities yeah. and how kind of how it radiates out. I have a hard time differentiating cause I believe healthy individuals come from healthy groups. Sure. Yeah. You know, I, so I wouldn't, I don't know if I would draw a hard line between them, mm-hmm. probably like a dotted line yeah, between yeah. an individual and a family. Yeah. I mean, and, and either way it's, you know, it's, I think it's, it's the same. I think in, in, in some ways where like having healthy individuals or groups, whether they're families or not communities, um, is going to positively affect everything and everyone around them. And which I think might be a good way to get people to invest in your project and what you're doing is by figuring out how to can you're, you're really good at this. You're really good at communicating people. You said if you have sales is like your it. sales is like your, your day gig, right? Uh, That's kind sales, of what you yeah, do, right? Yeah. Is, so you're trickier. You're good at, cause I don't you know, think an organization has been based on a metal album before that's trying to save lives. Yeah. Um, and that the person who created the artwork, mm-hmm. um, you know, in my, in my opinion, a lot of experts, um, past because of some nature of uh, her biography yeah. you know the way her life went is is part of the reason she's not here to do this herself so mm-hmm. to tell that story quickly and and have people get it within 10 15 seconds in the elevator mm-hmm. no i'm miles from mastering that yeah 
Yeah. And it's, it becoming iTunes Spotify. There we go. <laughs> <laughs> she pretty. tells the story better than I do. I'll tell you that. Yeah. I make Kel do the heavy lifting at Pride. You've seen me with the headphones. Yeah. Um, just I just play 30 seconds of the album and people get it like, oh, okay, mm-hmm. I understand. Yeah. You know? But I think, I think yeah, a lot of it is going to be communicating, you know, to people. Because, I mean, you know, just like the style of electronic music. I mean, metal, I mean, it's, you know, it's, it's, it's a subgenre. It's a subculture, right? I mean, it's not something that everyone can necessarily like directly relate to um but i think sort of the the way that i tend to attempt to evoke um uh concern or passion or compassion uh, from people who don't have a direct connection to something is by identifying like those those universal values and the things that sort of like tie us all together um and i think you're doing a really good job uh, of that so far um of kind of figuring out that, you know, you know, Kel could be anyone's husband, uh, anyone's, anyone's, uh, sister, anyone's daughter, anyone's friend, anyone's colleague, mm-hmm. roommate, anyone, you know, and, uh, and the things that, you know, that, that, that she dealt with, um, she certainly wasn't, wasn't alone in dealing with those things. And, uh, I think, um, what's, what's unique in your situation, um, is that, you know, she was brave enough in some way you know, to talk about it, even through, through her music. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and a lot of people don't have that outlet, don't have that ability, don't, you know, have, uh, have, have a way to, to communicate with other people and leave a legacy like, mm-hmm. like she did. Um, and I think we talked about this a little bit too. It's like, you know, um, being able to, to, to find some good in, in that situation and, and have something good come of it. Um, I think, uh, I think you're definitely, definitely on the right track. And she, she sort of, she left a way for you to, to share her story. She sure did. Yeah. yeah. So on the, so you see the two speakers there, uh, the two NS 10s. So the one, the CD that's leaning up on mine, the one that has my name on it is, uh, the demo CD of her music that she gave me when we first got together. It says eight twenty twelve. 12. We got together on eight sixteen. You are my, you are my light. It says you're showing her oh cheesy God. side. <laughs> Right? She was like, what's wrong with me? Oh uh, and then uh, leaning on her urn is uh, hate becoming. So the way I think of it is that that was her gift to me, and that's my gift to her. So you'll have to excuse me. So actually, I just uh, I just connected the dots here. So her what's urns her? are actually... Her studio monitors. Studio monitors. I thought you'd like that. I didn't. Yeah, I didn't get it at first, but wow. Okay. Yeah. See, our names are on there. Okay. Stand up. You're 10 feet tall. Yeah, right. Yeah, so hers is heavier than mine because wow. I'm not in there yet. Oh, sure, sure. Um. Yeah. Wow. Yeah, that's the way. I just was like, uh, it's got to be, should it be one of her amps? People were saying, you know, her guitar. Well, what are you going to do? Route out an electric guitar and make room for Ash? Like, what the and fuck? And this is, this, this is so cool, though. Like, I love, I love gear that's, like, uh, obviously been used and actually been <laughs> loved. Yeah, it's, oh, it's, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, the album went through that. And, I, I, like, I keep talking about how anything that Hate Becoming traveled through mm-hmm. physically yeah. Um, to me is helping change the world. Yeah. So where else would we belong together than in her studio? Absolutely. absolutely. I mean, we met at Guitar Center. <laughs> hashtag sponsorship. <laughs> hashtag GC. We're going to get some sponsorships. <laughs> By the end of this episode. One way or another. That was a really weird segue. Um, yeah, so, no, I appreciate you saying that. And she did have a tremendous amount of talent that I would like to think wasn't wasted mm-hmm. um, because we have all this modern technology now and we can, you know, I have streaming revenue. It might be pennies, but I have streaming revenue from Australia France, okay. UK, uh, South Africa, mm-hmm. Russia, and you know some of these places might not have the best yeah. uh, resources for trauma survivors, mm-hmm. the best mental health resources in the world. So but all of those album, places across the world, all there are people who deal with all the same things. You know, yeah. yeah, totally. So if this album can reach people who maybe don't have any 
DAP in their hometown like mm-hmm. we do. Like um, most places. Don't yeah, have a DAP for sure. in their hometown, um, yeah. Then at least maybe someone can express she can express something for them. Mm-hmm. Like did you ever have someone put something into words you're like I've felt that my whole life and I couldn't say it. Mm-hmm. That's what I want for hate becoming. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Random music plug. Mm-hmm. Man, I have stolen two hours of your <laughs> afternoon. It's fun. It does not feel like it. Seriously, right? it does not feel like it. Flew well, right I want to make sure that you said everything you want to about all the cool work you've done, all the nonprofits that have touched your heart. Um, and if you want to do any kind of a shout out to people struggling with mental illness, anything to uplift them as we wrap up this episode, uh, the mic is yours. Uh, well, yeah. So Brian Garza, um, nonpod.com. It's a nonprofit side of what I do. Um, uh, I work with Quorum. Uh, you can find out more about what they do. Um, the great thing about Quorum is that uh, we help, um, like I said, a lot of a lot of businesses, a lot of uh, organizations, big and small, don't have what we call employee resource groups, uh, which are sort of the, the the parts of the the company or the corporation, the business uh, that focuses on creating that inclusive um, atmosphere, environment for for their workers. We uh, we help. Um, we help organizations like that get started. Um, and there's, we, we do a lot of other great work. So, um, even if you're not in the, the Twin Cities area and you're listening, uh, to this and you're interested in, uh, creating a safe and inclusive, uh, workplace, wherever, wherever, whatever it is, uh, that, that your, that your professional environment is, um, if there, there's probably something like quorum somewhere near you. So, um, like I said, we're, we're part of the NGLCC. Uh, which is the national, um, the national organization, and they have a network of places all over. But there are there are people that are doing, uh, that are doing work uh, in places you know where there are no organizations. Not only are there no DAPs, there are no, um, you know, there's no funding for anything else. And th- those are some of the coolest stories that that, that I like to tell, is uh, of stories of people like doing amazing things with with nothing. <laughs> you know that it's that are just. That are are running on 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 passion and um, and inspiration and just like d- don't have a budget and they don't care, yeah. <laughs> you know. Th- those are my favorite stories to tell, and I'm hoping to, uh, you know, to continue to to tell those uh, those kinds of stories as, as as I go on. And I was really, uh, you know, when when um, when Anna kind of told me about about your organization, and I checked out the website, and I was like, wow, this is you know, this is a really cool uh, project, and there has to be really interesting story uh behind it i was really really glad to meet you and i'm glad it glad it led to this and you know i wish you nothing uh nothing but the best of luck with uh with everything you're you're trying to to accomplish and and the way you're trying to to change the world in in, in your own way like uh like we all are appreciate it i will uh say one last thing because i forgot to say it earlier when you said you won't finish the work do you know that that's an exact quote out of uh the torah this is something that has kept me going through a lot of the, the really long hours by yourself, feeling completely alone in this. Um, there's a, a line from uh, that scripture that says, you will not complete the work, nor are you permitted to abandon it. Yeah. Yeah. It's yeah. kind of cool. That's about it. Yeah. Ryan Garza. Check him out. Non-pod. It's worth your time. Um, yeah, I'm a big fan. Thanks, man. I appreciate it. Thank you, Teresa. Get the music behind the mission. Hate Becoming by Kelly Nicole on iTunes and Spotify. If you guys haven't checked out the merch table, join the movement. Buy the album. Get your Kelly Nicole band merch and donate what you can at kellynicolefoundation.org. Courage is strong. Amplified!